Hi, it's Rob West. Before we get to the podcast, did you know that you can live out your faith in your financial decisions with the help of a certified kingdom advisor? CKAs have demonstrated professional competence and a commitment to biblically wise financial counsel. And you can find a local CKA professional in your area by visiting moneywise.org and clicking the Find a CKA button on the homepage. Would you invite strangers into your house to pour over your personal financial details right down to the penny? Hi, I'm Rob West. You may not realize it, but that's what will happen if you die without a last will and testament. Think of the burden that would place on your loved ones. I'll talk about that today, and then it's under your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. We know from God's Word that leaving an inheritance is good. Proverbs 13.22 tells us, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. But how you leave an inheritance can be just as important. According to the elder care site Caring.com, more than half of Americans think that estate planning is important, but only a third of them have a will or living trust. That's a pretty big gap, and it shows that estate planning in general is among the things that folks put off indefinitely, and drawing up a will probably tops the list. But it's essential if you want to spare your family the hardship of the probate court deciding how your assets will be distributed. The good news is drafting a will is relatively inexpensive. In fact, the fewer assets you have, the cheaper it is to draw up a will. It doesn't have to be a complex document, as many people believe. All it needs to do is clearly lay out how you want your possessions divided among your family members or friends and charities. It should also specify who you want to have guardianship of your children in the event both you and your spouse should die. It also names an individual or executor to oversee the process of distributing your assets and possessions. A will also gives you the opportunity to explain why you're leaving your assets as you've chosen. It can answer a lot of questions and help eliminate family squabbles. The average price range for a will is 300 to to $1,000. It's probably the least expensive service a lawyer provides and well worth the cost. Online will kits are cheaper, but carry the risk that you'll miss something a good attorney will include. A will is such an important document, it's a wonder that so many people delay getting one, and the younger you are, the more likely you are to put it off. But a will isn't the only important piece of estate planning. If you want to ease the burden on your loved ones, uh, you should also consider designating someone with a financial power of attorney, which can be very helpful while you're still alive. It allows you to name a trusted individual to make financial decisions for you if you become incapacitated. In most cases, you would give your spouse power of attorney to make decisions about assets that you don't jointly own. It could also be a trusted friend or the family attorney. Granting a power of attorney ensures that your finances will run smoothly when you're not able to do it. You can also set up a medical power of attorney. It gives someone the authority to make decisions about your health care if, again, you aren't able to make them yourself. 
It's sometimes called a medical or healthcare proxy. And depending on your state, a financial and medical power of attorney may be combined into one document. Basically, it gives the person you specify the authority to direct your doctor to administer or withhold medications and procedures. Obviously, this is something you'll want to discuss with that individual in advance, so he or she knows your wishes. You may also want to include an advance directive that specifies your wishes about being put on life support equipment in the event of a terminal illness. A medical power of attorney can be critical for eliminating family arguments about your care. Now, there's one more thing you can do to set your affairs in order ahead of time. Uh, Make sure you name beneficiaries for your retirement accounts and insurance policies. The beauty of doing this is that it takes those assets right out of the probate process by superseding anything you've laid out in your will. Assets in those accounts go directly to the named beneficiaries without going through probate. Okay, I've mentioned a batch of documents you need to put your estate in order, but don't be put off by them. If you hire an estate attorney, someone who deals with this sort of thing all the time, it'll make the process much easier and ensure that it's done right. And you may get a break on the cost if you have these documents prepared together. If you don't have an estate attorney, you can find one by going to moneywise.org and clicking Find a CKA. An attorney with the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation will share your Christian values in developing an estate plan. Don't put this off. It's the last stewardship decision you'll make, and it's an important one. All right, your calls are next. We'll be right back. At MoneyWise, we are on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from MoneyWise and believe in this mission, would you consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron? Check out all the benefits of a MoneyWise patron's membership at moneywise.org and click Give on the homepage. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions today on anything financial. The number to call, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Let's head to the phones today. We're going to begin to, uh, begin in Kent, Ohio, WCRF. Stephanie, you're our first caller. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my question. Um, a sure. little bit about my myself. I put myself through college, so I graduated with no debt. I joined the military after college and took a bonus. So I was fortunate to start investing in my mid-20s. So fast forward to about two years ago, um, I, I don't have any commercial debt. The only debt that I have is my mortgage, which I took out of 15 year, and I overpay, so I'm on track to pay that off 
um, by the time I'm 48. I'm currently 39. And historically, I have had my all my money was spread out between the CSI and F funds. Mm -hmm. Um, The first three months of 2020, I took a loss of about $65,000 and completely freaked out, even though I know you're supposed to look in it for the long haul. So I moved all my money into the G fund. And um, last year, I saw a financial advisor through the military for free who looked at my finances and he's like, why are you in the G fund? And so I explained, you know, historically (laughs) I hadn't been, I had it much more diversified, but I panicked and he, and he said, well, that was a huge mistake. You never should have done that. You know, you need to look into dollar cost averaging. You need to put it back in. So my question is, I, I keep getting these conflicting opinions about now's the time to do it because it's lower than it's ever been. And then also now is not the time to do it because, you know, you're going to lose even more because we're heading into an even worse recession than before. So right yeah. now I've got about about $422,000. Again, I'm 39. Um, I'm married. I've been married for seven years. I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, and I'm just, I'm stuck because I'm like, do yeah. I sit here? I've been tradition. I'm very conservative and, um, I want to be, I want to be cautious. I want to do the right thing, but I'm not sure what the right thing is to do here. Do I, do I just, do I do the dollar cost averaging and put it back in now or do I not? And then, um, also, I guess I'd also, the second part to my question is I keep getting some advertisements from robo advisors and I didn't know if you had an opinion on that. So those are my two questions. Do I, um, put it back in? Do I wait? Yeah. And then what okay. is your opinion on a robo-advisor? <clears throat> yeah, great. Well, first of all, you're doing a great job. And should you have pulled it out? I probably wouldn't have. I mean, just given your age and time horizon, but I certainly understand an emotional reaction. You've worked a lot of years and worked very hard to build up a significant nest egg and you were watching it erode. And I get that. I mean, the good news is you were only down about 13%. So I assume you started with about 487,000. Uh, and then you're down to 422, which is when you pulled it out, which obviously is less than the market is down. And so now you're wondering kind of where do I go from here? Uh, you know, the question, should I put it back in? Is it going to go up or down? Well, they, nobody knows the answer to that. And if they tell you they do, they're not being truthful because we just don't know. Is the bottom in? Possibly. Is it not? Maybe. Uh, I would probably come down on the side of no, we're going to see a new low here before we fully recover, but I could be wrong. And that's why we don't invest for a month or a quarter or a year or even two years. We invest for five, 10, 20, 30 years. And the good news is that 39, you've got time on your side and you're well on your way to having your home paid off well before retirement. And so you've got a strong financial foundation under you. And that's a a really good thing. In terms of kind of how to think about this portfolio moving forward, if things deteriorate even further, could this market go down before it goes up? 
absolutely, you're just not going to know the answer to that question. So how should you proceed? Well, I think one way to go, which is probably the way I would advise you to go, but at the end of the day, you need to make this decision, and I wouldn't guilt you into doing one thing or another. You are the steward, you and your husband, and so you all need to make this call. But given that you're only down 13%, and that's relative to where the market is, I think it is probably time for you to start dollar cost averaging back into a properly diversified portfolio. But that doesn't mean I would do that only because I think it can't go down further from here because I just can't tell you that. What I would say is the market's going to recover well ahead of the economy. A lot of this bad news and the prospect of a recession is already priced into this market. And if you wait until we start to see economically things turn around, well, the market will have already recovered by that point. And that's why that's kind of a losing proposition. So I would say given your age and given how strong your financial foundation is, even though the market could go lower from here, I would still encourage you to start moving back into the market so that you're ready for that recovery when it happens, whether that's later this year or halfway through next. Does all that make sense, though? It absolutely does. And I appreciate that. It's You've got to understand I didn't. I A lot of this has been self-taught, and it's something that yeah. I'm really proud of. Sure. Because, again, I mean, you should be. my folks... Did, I didn't have money for college. I didn't have anything set aside. I mean, I just, I listened and learned on my own and it's taken, I mean, strategically it's grown. So I think that's the yeah. reason it's so emotional is that I get it's it. really hard. Yes. So I do appreciate well, You've done it. a great job and you should be proud of what you've done here, Stephanie. I think the question is, uh, have you separated from the military? Are you able to roll this out? I'm still a reservist. I've got okay. um, five years until I can retire from the military. I still drill. So does it have to stay in the TSP until then? It does. Yeah. Okay. So I think the approach you had taken before was the right one. And that would be the direction I'd go when you're ready to move back in. And for me, I would start that process now. The only thing I would say is my only fear of you starting to move back into the market is you would need to have some confidence that in the next down leg, you're not going to jump back out again. Because the the only thing worse than getting out of the market is getting out of the market, getting back in, and then when it goes down a little bit more, getting out, and then missing the recovery, right? Because you're just kind of capturing all exactly. the downsides and none of the upsides. So you would need to be able to tell yourself, listen, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm, I can stomach this emotionally, and I'm looking 20 years down the road for my husband and I, or 15 or whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I know time is on my side, and so I'm going to go back in with some staying power. If you could do that, then I think now is the time to get back in. If you're not confident that you okay. can do that, then you may want to continue to sit on the sideline because I, I just don't want you to, you know, continue the spiral effect of jumping in and jumping out. It's the only time that I've ever, since I started investing, it's the only time I've moved it. And I, yeah. I mean, and I have habitually like set it and forget it. Like I have a set amount that goes, I don't even look at it. I mean, it's. Yeah. So you kind of don't have a lot of experience <laughs> with these kinds of markets. And I get that. Although you did make it through, it sounds like the pandemic, uh, although that one was really compressed. Anyway, I think you're doing a great job. I think the key is you just have to recognize that kind of your upbringing and how money was handled and the lack of it and, you know, all that is playing into how you yeah. 
you're, you're holding really tightly and for good reason. That's kind of how you've been preconditioned, kind of given where you've come from. So you're just going to have to let right. go a little bit and say, I'm confident that I'm owning real companies that are trading at a discount. I don't want to buy at the top all the time. So I'm going to move back in a diversified way and I'm going to take the long view. And I think, I think you'll be rewarded if you can do that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-day devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. You probably have a strategy for your finances, your career, even your retirement. But do you have a strategy for your giving? At the National Christian Foundation, we can help you create a giving strategy to inspire your family, maximize your resources, and leave a lasting legacy of faith. To learn how, visit moneywise.org slash ncf. back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today on anything financial. Let's head right back to the phones. To Chattanooga we go. Wanda, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to ask how you can determine if a nonprofit organization is legit and their funds go for the purposes that they say they're intended or they just for administrative purposes. Mm, yes. Well, the good news is, Wanda, that information is more readily available than ever in terms of, uh, number one, if you want to actually look at their 990, which is the IRS form that they report, uh, those are available publicly for nonprofits. Uh, but then also there's um, organizations that will actually provide, uh, you know, information on some of the statistics you're talking about, how much of every dollar goes toward admin versus the actual service or ministry being provided. Uh, One of those is called guidestar.org, guidestar.org. You can take a look at that and find some information there. Another one is called candid, C-A-N-D-I-D.org. And then there's a... um, uh, uh, basically a designation um, called the ECFA certification, E-C-F-A. It stands for Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And um, if the organization is ECFA, E-C-F-A certified, then that can give you a lot of confidence just in terms of that they have audits and that they're, you know, there's a lot of oversight there and and um, that uh, they are in good standing with a lot of those issues. So I, um, I wouldn't hesitate to do some homework, you know, as we think about being good stewards of God's money. That not only includes our investments and our spending, but also our giving. Uh, is that helpful? That is very helpful. There are so many organizations and people taking up money to help with a hurricane down in Florida, yes. and I don't want to give it to them. I want to give it to somebody who will um, be sure that it's going to help those people. Yes. And are you talking specifically about hurricane relief? 
Not just hurricane relief, anything that helps other people. Yeah, the reason I mention that is that uh, at NCF, the National Christian Foundation, which both Ron Blue and Larry Burkett were founders of, uh, they actually put together exactly what you're talking about, a fund specifically for the hurricane relief. Um, but they did it because they wanted to be able to make sure that the resources got into the hands of the ministries on the ground that were working through the local churches so that uh, you you didn't have the opportunity to get scammed by somebody who wasn't really doing that work. So for any of your giving that you want to do directly for hurricane relief, uh, ncfgiving.com would be the place to go. But beyond that, uh, I think NCF could help you or GuideStar would be another great resource. Wanda, thank you for calling today. We appreciate you. Uh, to Nashville. Hey, Lori, how can I help you? Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, two sure. quick questions, I hope. Uh, I have buyer's remorse on an I-bond that I purchased a little over a week ago, and okay. within 24 hours, some red flags came up, and I, my question for you is, can I redeem that bond without kind of having any penalty to my principal? You know, unfortunately, Lori, I don't think there is a way. Once that tra- transaction goes through and that purchase is confirmed, uh, you've got to wait 12 months to get it out. May I ask what it was that gave you a buyer's remorse on that? Uh, that afternoon that I purchased it, I locked myself out of my account uh, because of the security questions. I have trouble with remembering which of the two answers. Anyway, <laughs> I called back to have my lo- account unlocked. And the I was within two hours of the office closing, uh, and they, the uh, message came on. Automated message said we are not taking any more calls. So that was within two yeah. hours. So the next yeah. day I called and I waited on the line on on my phone four hours and fifteen minutes for oh, somebody boy. to come on and unlock it. And then I was yeah. uh, called back the next morning at uh, the very minute that they opened, and uh, they had a volume. They said, "Oh, we have a volume of calls." I waited an hour and 15 minutes to ask about beneficiary because I did not designate a beneficiary online. Yeah, and yeah. not just uh, the only thing I have is proof that I have that bond is a, uh, a picture of my screen, a screenshot of that. And that's it. There's no paper. There's no nothing. I thought, man, if I lost that. So that and the waiting period was really uncomfortable for me. And I just thought yeah. maybe I could just get, redeem the, the bond. Yeah, I don't think you can. Let me just encourage you, though, Lori. First of all, what you're describing in terms of the customer service is inexcusable. So don't get me wrong there. I'm not in any way excusing that. I will say that they are just simply overwhelmed because, uh, as you might imagine, with I-bonds paying 9.62%, it, there's nothing like it out there. And so there's just the volume of service requests and needs by phone and electronically is just creating a real challenge for the U.S. Treasury to keep up with. Despite that, it's the very best investment going. So if there's some way to kind of, you know, get past these challenges you're experiencing, and I agree, they're bad, uh, the actual merits of the investment themselves are stellar because you've essentially got zero risk because you've got the backing of the U.S. government and you're getting a phenomenal rate of return far greater than anything else you would get with this level of risk. So uh, I realize you've got to get it all in order. You've got to get the beneficiary attached. You've got to make sure that it's set up properly. And it sounds like that's been a real headache. But if you can get that done in terms of the actual merits of the investment, there's nothing better. Um, but I realize the customer service issues are real. Was there a part two to your question, Lori? 
Yes. I was just going to say, those, the folks that I did talk to were very, very nice and very informative. Okay. They, they are overwhelmed. My, my second yeah. question was, uh, I have a beneficiary RMD, and I'm under 70, so is there any, from a tax perspective, is there any benefit to my having my beneficiary RMD directly deposited to the church or having it directly deposited in my bank, and then I write the ch- church a check for the same amount? Uh, yes, and uh, what did you say was your uh, your age? I'm under that whatever that seventy okay. and a half or seventy two that allows you to take it off your growth. Yeah. So I'm under seventy. Yeah, so you are not able to do that to transfer directly to the ministry. That's called a qualified charitable distribution, and you have to be at least seventy and a half years old at the time you request it. So the only thing you would be able to do would be to take the distribution personally. It's going to be added to your adjusted gross income, and then you could turn around and gift that to the ministry. And if you itemize, then you could uh, you could itemize that as gift as a part of your charitable contributions. But under age 70 and a half, there is not a way to go directly to the ministry from an IRA. Okay, perfect. And thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate it. Okay, Laura, you're welcome. Well, that's all our time today. But before we go, if this program has been a blessing to you, would you consider becoming one of our prayerful and financial supporters that helps this program stay on the air? You can donate securely online when you click the donate button on our website at moneywise.org. And thanks in advance. My thanks also to our broadcast team, Amy, Dan, Brandy, Rob, Kent, Rich, and Jim. And I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Money Wise. Money Wise is provided by Money Wise Media and listeners like you.